0: It was something that I was willing to learn and be a beginner at and just get curious about. And I think so many times our heads limit us where really we're capable of so much more. And so it's really taught me to question, is that the truth? Or is that just me trying to stay safe? Is that the truth? Or is that me just being uncomfortable because I don't know?
1: Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Jen Drummond, CEO and founder of Clearwater Wealth Management and keynote speaker. Jen Drummond is a mom of seven, successful business owner, and world record holder. As the first woman to climb the second highest summits on each of the seven continents, she now spends her time inspiring others to create a thriving business and lasting legacy of their own. Jen Drummond achieved business success as the founder and CEO of a thriving financial services company and moved to Park City, Utah with her kids. This fed her family's passion for everything outdoors from hiking and biking to skiing and mountain climbing. On a snowy evening in 2018, Jen's life was knocked off its tracks. She was in a horrific car accident that brought her inches from death. In the aftermath of that brush with death, it became crystal clear to Jen that while she cannot control when she dies, she and the rest of us can choose how we live, and she committed to a life of vigor, enthusiasm, and full engagement in life. Now, more than ever, she is focused on becoming an inspiration, guide, and cheerleader, not just for her own children. But for all of us. She spends her time inspiring others to live a life of significance by sharing her story and strategies for success through her book, Breakproof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals, and her Seek Your Summit podcast, programs, and signature talks. Listen in for some great takeaways about how becoming crystal clear on what we want out of life can help us refocus, find tremendous success, and achieve a great deal of joy out of life. Well, I have the pleasure today of being with Jen Drummond. I can't wait to share this story with all of you. Jen Drummond is the CEO and founder of Clearwater Wealth Management and keynote speaker. Thank you for joining us today, Jen. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here today.
1: Listen, I like starting off with having people understand the entrepreneurial journey. We'll be talking about what you do today, but how did you get to this point? Like what led to you going down the entrepreneurial journey? I always find that fascinating.
0: Yeah. It's one of those best, worst things that has happened to you, right? Like (laughs) one of those scenarios. So when I was in college, I did an internship for a furniture company. And we could not manufacture enough chairs fast enough. I was helping run the temporary line, which would be all the temporary employees that who had to go through this organization before they could work for the real company and be hired on as an employee. So we had 200 people working on this temporary line where we begged them to come in all the time, stay extra. They could not work enough hours. And then 2,000 happened. And all of a sudden, the whole world blew up. And no one wanted any of these office chairs anymore. We had to lay off those 200 people. And I don't know why I didn't quit and just say, okay, this is your mess, not mine. I'm in college. But I stayed. And every one of those conversations was, but i missed soccer games, or I did this, or I gave everything to this organization. What do you mean you don't need me? How am I going to pay my bills? How is this going to work? And it was in that experience that I realized I would never be able to work for somebody and give them my 100% knowing that they also controlled whether I had a job or not.
1: That's amazing, and I, I talk about two things that that story resonates with me. Number one is I always tell folks that I'm unemployable. That's one thing, and then the other thing is people always approach me, and I'm sure maybe you as well, and they say, "Oh, isn't being an entrepreneur and a business owner isn't that risky?" And I say, "Well." It's just as risky as really being an employee or stakeholder for a company. It's just a different level of risk. It's a different form of risk. I mean the risks are similar, but just different. Wouldn't you agree?
0: I agree, a hundred percent. So I knew that, okay, well, if I had to do something, it was at least in my hands, in my court. like I could get the next deal. I could make the next thing happen and I just wanted that
1: control. Amazing. So I want to get into a little bit of your story. I think it's amazing, right? Seven children seven continents, seven summits, and maybe you could share with our listeners a little bit about this journey that you've been on. And I heard that one of your children kind of inspired a portion of this journey. So maybe you could weave that part in as well.
0: I started an investment firm. Like I went to college, graduated, worked as an independent contractor for a firm for a few years, then went out on my own, built that up, to where I could hire myself out of a job and have kids. So I was living under the impression that the dream scenario was to be a stay-at-home mom. So I hired myself out of a job, had children, seven of them. Well,
1: having children, I would argue, is a very difficult job. So you just <laughs> traded it for a different job. <laughs>
0: yeah, I traded it for a different job, 100%. I was needed. like at home all the time in the beginning, obviously. And then when all the kids got to school full-time... It was like, what do I do? What should I do? Like, I have time again. What do I do with this time? And I just kept telling myself, like, when my kids get older, when my kids get launched, I'll go do something. Well, in 2018, I survived a horrific car crash that they tried to rebuild a number of times and could not build a scenario where I lived, let alone walked away like I did. And that car crash really woke me up to the idea that I don't get to choose when I die. But I get to choose how I live and I'm going to stop putting my life on hold, start doing things that get me excited again and step into this whole living concept. So I was making like 2019, I was making bucket lists of all the things I wanted to see, do, experience, become, try. Again, I was afraid of dying and not being able to do all these things that the world has to offer. And on that list was climb a mountain. In 2020, I was turning 40. Like, oh, I'm going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday. I asked some friends that were big into mountaineering. I live in Park City, Utah, so we have mountains around us. A couple of my friends came up with the idea of a mountain named Ama de Blom. I'm like, okay, I'd never heard of it. They're like, oh, it's in the Himalayas. It's the Paramount Pictures logo, it means the mother's necklace, and it's just this gorgeous mountain. If I could climb one mountain in the whole world, this would be the one. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm going to climb Ama de Blom. So I'm training, COVID happens. So now I'm not training because I'm a homeschool teacher and nobody's traveling anywhere anytime soon. And one of my sons was struggling with his math homework. I'm like, listen, buddy, we do hard things. You've got this, like the proverbial pep talk. He goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? (laughs) I said, honey, it's I'm a Not I'm a dumb blonde finish your homework, we'll look at Everest. So he finished his homework, we looked at Everest, he went to bed, and then I was still thinking, I'm like, why not Everest? If Everest is the biggest, hardest, most amazing mountain to him in the world, I'll climb it to show him that he can do whatever his Everest is. (laughs) Sure. So I called the coach and he's like, yeah, I can get you ready. So I'm now training for AMA and Everest. And the coach gives me a book about becoming an uphill athlete. I'm like, okay. So I get this book and in the front of it, there's a foreword, And this lady in the front got a Guinness world record for doing something in the Alps. When I called my coach, I'm like, I could have done that. Like I can suffer. I have seven (laughs) children. And right now I'm not a cool mom. If I had a Guinness world record, I'd be a cool mom. My coach is like, well, we'll think of something. I'm like, okay, fine. But I'm not growing pumpkins or eating hot dogs or any of those crazy things. and. He called me back a few weeks later and he's like, Jen, I have the perfect world record for you. I think you should become the first female to climb the seven second summits. I'm like, I don't even know what those are. <laughs> he's like, well, listen, they're the second highest point on each of the seven continents. They're harder than the first seven. They've not been done by women before. That's only been done by one male. And like you said earlier, seven continents, seven mountains, seven children, sounds like a jackpot. I think it's (laughs) yours. And I'm like, does kind of sound like a jackpot. (laughs) So (laughs) I looked it over with my kids and figured, hey, why not? Let's try it.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And in what time frame did you do all of them in?
0: At the end of 2020, some of the countries started to open up. So I climbed the first of the seven second summits in December of 2020 named Ojos del Salado located in Chile, the Atacama Desert. And then I just finished the last one, which was June 1st of 2023. It was Mount Logan in North America. So it took me about two and a half years to do them all.
1: It seems like a short period of time, but I guess if you're in training mode, you might as well attack them while you can, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. And like mountains have different climbing seasons. So, for example, you always see summits of Everest in May, or you see summits of K2 in July. Part of it was waiting till the country opened so that you could climb the mountain. And then some of the mountains took me more than once. So I failed K2 the first time, and I failed Mount Logan the first time.
1: But well, you ultimately achieved it, right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Went back and got him. Yeah, K2, my first expedition, a teammate died in an avalanche. Oh, Another one lost that. his hand to frostbite. I decided it was more important to be there for my team than to summit the mountain and I could always come back. I think that's a big lesson that we learn in life. People over peaks. Sure. making sure who we are is more important than what we achieve. And then Mount Logan, we just hit it in a really bad storm season and it was going to be too cold to melt water and continue on. So we decided to pull the expedition and come back another time when it was safer.
1: Can you re-explain, because I think you went over it, but it kind of went by quickly. The actual meaning of the second highest summits, what is that all about? So it's not the highest summits of these mountains, it's the second highest. Is there some significance to that, or was it just the mere fact that no woman had done it before and only one man had done it previously?
0: The seconds just hadn't been done. So the first summits, which Everest is the highest point in Asia, K2 is the second highest point. I wanted to do the second highest points because it wasn't done. There's not as much information about those mountains. So it's kind of more of an expedition. A lot of the first summits have been so commercialized because so many people want to do them. Fair enough. So I was looking for more of an authentic experience.
1: So you wanted the moniker of Trailblazer also.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. When it's available, take it.
1: There you go. Might as well grab it. You've traveled to so many amazing places. Is there one particular location or maybe two that's really touched you the most out of the locations that you've been to?
0: Well, Antarctica is pretty special. Just being down on that continent and it's fascinating, really. There's no sound In Antarctica, except wind, there's no color. So you don't have plants or trees or bugs or anything on the inland ice. It's just white ice, black rock, blue sky, yellow sun. The only reds and greens and browns and all those colors are what you bring on as your gear. So it's just a fascinating environment to be in. The climb had only been done by about 15 people before us. Wow. It hadn't been climbed in a couple of years because of COVID and then the team before didn't have success. So when we had notes from the teams, they're like, okay, did that rock fall or is it buried under snow this year or why are we not? Like everything just didn't line up perfectly. So it was fun to take notes and know that we're making it easier for the next group to come and just like, here's our experience because you're just sharing all the beta. So Antarctica was amazing for sure.
1: Sounds it. That is definitely on my list. It's one of the places I have not made yet. We've gone to a lot of great places, and that is certainly one that's on our list. We've seen some folks that we know that have gone there, and the videos and the pictures, and it's just breathtaking, for sure.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, the other ones were more about the people. So the fascinating thing about when I started this journey is it was right after COVID, So when I went to Africa, I climbed in Kenya in February of 2021, we were like the first people back. So I was one of the first tourists. And so you were kind of the sign of, okay, maybe life is going to return to normal. And then you just saw how hard some of these other countries were hit by this pandemic. And you just connected at a very human level. Of the experience and that was really appreciated. And when I went to Kenya, I was involved in a charity project there of period poverty, and just providing supplies for women so they could stay in school and different things like that. So the journey took on much more significance than just climbing
1: yeah i mean being that this was somewhat of a sounded like you said that there were teams involved in these climbing experiences right so how did that work through the whole timeline of covid and training did you still train together or did you train independently because of the different covid restrictions and i don't know was your team all american or were they from all over the world how did that work
0: i tried to work with teams in the country i was climbing Cause I really wanted to benefit those countries where possible and not just be this like American team taking over some of the climbs you had to kind of work with American teams cause they were safer, but other ones, if you could use the country, you would. So I trained here with guides and things based on what mountain was coming up next so that I was technically prepared and endurance prepared and all those pieces. But for the most part, I had a different team for almost every mountain.
1: Wow. Amazing. So, you wrote a book, Quit Proof Seven Strategies to Build Resistance and Achieve Your Life Goals. What was the impetus behind writing that book?
0: Yeah. And we changed the name. So, we changed the name to Break Proof Seven Strategies. We went back and forth on that, and I finally won the battle. (laughs) And what happened was, I came back from Antarctica and I went out to lunch with a friend that's an author, and we were talking about the stories. He's like, you need to write a book. He's like, I'm not into mountaineering at all. I'm enthralled with these stories. This is absolutely magical. And you totally have all these lessons from these stories that apply to our everyday lives. And he said it like, you need to write a book as in, do you want brownies or cookies for dessert (laughs) at lunch? Okay. So I'm like, okay, sure. I'll write a book. Writing a book is hard. It is so hard.
1: I don't know. Relative to scaling those mountains, I don't know, but
0: I don't know. I get I'll it. tell you, like <laughs> I have the stories, but when you're writing the story down, are you giving enough details? Are you giving too much details? Are you getting a lesson? So when they read it, they're like, Oh, this is an aha moment in my own life. Like there's so much, and you don't have an actual reader on the other side. So you're anticipating how they're going to respond to everything until you start sending the book out and getting some people's feedback on it. It was a new monster. It was a new mountain for me, for sure. But super rewarding, really excited about it. The feedback's been amazing. And if it can help somebody on their journey, I'm all in.
1: Amazing. So how is your venture or adventure, I should say, of scaling new heights by climbing these mountains, taken you personally to new heights?
0: I think it just proves to you that you're so capable. I mean, I had never slept in a tent when I signed up for this stuff. I wasn't a mountaineer. It wasn't like I had this huge history of camping and hiking and exploring. It was something that I was willing to learn and be a beginner at and just get curious about. And I think so many times our heads limit us where really we're capable of so much more. And so it's really taught me to question. Is that the truth or is that just me trying to stay safe? Is that the truth or is that me just being uncomfortable because I don't know?
1: Yeah, that's a great lesson and something that we should take with us at our firm. One of our core values is question, review, and approve. Always. We want to question what's going on, review it, and see how we can improve it. Nice. I guess you give me a little bit of inspiration because I'm not a camper either. So maybe I still have the uh, you still have the it ability in you. You do. somewhere in yes. me to do this, but I don't know. Yes. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. So one of the things that I would imagine that is difficult while doing this is the environment, right? A lot of challenges just thrown from environmental factors. How do you determine how close you wanted to come to the quote unquote line with regard to the environment and what you were trying to accomplish? I'm sure there comes points where you're like, you have to make a decision there.
0: Mother Nature always wins is the philosophy I have. Like Mother Nature, I'm not going to beat Mother Nature. So it's always really checking in, what's the environment look like? What's the weather look like? What is the margin of error? I'm in life or death situations. So I promised my kids I would come home and I promised myself I'd keep all 10 fingers and toes intact because I was really worried about frostbite. So when those odds started getting against us and it just wasn't, Safe to continue, or something happened with my teammate where it was more important for me to be a good teammate than to summit a mountain. It was time to turn around.
1: And that happened, you said twice, right? Well, I guess it once, happened twice. Once yeah. you turned around specifically because of a teammate, and the second one was because of conditions, I guess.
0: Yeah, the conditions. So when we were in. Mount Logan, which was the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. Like I bed to the top of Everest. how cold was that? I like negative 65.
1: Yeah, mere negative 65.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you have (laughs) the wind chill on top of that and all that kind of like you couldn't expose skin because it would become frostbite. What happens is you're in a tent and it's really windy where we are. So we had to build the tent and then we also had to build ice walls. Around the tent. So almost like a igloo type structure to protect the tent from the wind. Well, when the storms come in heavy, if you rip that tent, you're dead. That's the only thing that's keeping you alive. And if the storm's heavy, no helicopter's coming in to rescue you. So all of a sudden, you're very exposed in two ways. And we were expecting a storm that was gonna last two weeks and it was gonna be nonstop. And it's just one of those things where I just didn't want that to be the story.
1: You can wait.
0: Mom, I can wait. Like, (laughs) I can come back. And the crazy thing is, is like that first year that we tried it, it was brutal. like, wow. And so when you go back, you're like, you have all that memory and you're just like, oh, I do not want to go back. I do not want to go back. The second time was a whole different scenario. Like (laughs) the weather was so much better. And I'm like, I'm so glad we came back. It's kind of like if you live in a snowy area and you are driving on a day that's a full-on snowstorm, right? Right, And then it's a whiteout that's slippery. The lights aren't working. It takes you forever to get to point A to point B, and you're wondering why it was even worth it. When you go the next day, the roads are plowed. It's sunny. Everything's working normal. That first-year expedition was the snowstorm the entire time. And that second year expedition was like, oh, this is actually fun. Like there's sun, right? Like I'm not the whole entire time vice gripping everything I'm doing.
1: You're questioning whether it's even the same place because it's so different. Yeah, I know. I'm
0: like, are you serious? (laughs) This is how different this experience can be? Come on.
1: Yeah. So I have to ask, what's the deal with the gummy bears?
0: Ah, yes, the gummy (laughs) bears. So I miss my kids and we wanted something that was in connection with each other while I was gone. So I gave them a jar of Hershey kisses and hugs. So anytime they needed a hug or a kiss, they could grab one. And then they gave me, because you can't, Hershey kisses are a little hard to eat because they're frozen rock. So the gummy bears, you heat up in your mouth and then they kind of become chewy and it like just keeps your mouth wet longer, which you want, because it's so dry in the environments that I'm in. So we did a fun thing where we had red gummy bears and white gummy bears. Because those are the only two colors I like. So if I'm going to eat sugar, I'm going to eat sugar and the flavors that I like, not green (laughs) or orange. (laughs) And we gave them names. So the red gummy bears were love. So anytime I was missing my kids, I could tap into the love with the red. And then the white gummy bears were courage. So anytime I was scared, afraid, fearful, then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take the white gummy bear and feel courage. And the funny thing is, is like when I was on the expedition, my friends would be like, okay, I need a little bit of courage. I could use a little bit of love right now. And like it became like our little internal dialogue.
1: It became infectious. And I think that's a great way and a great, parenting tool, if you will, for us, especially in this day and age, not even necessarily in instances where we're going so far away, even just because of the time we're busy, et cetera, so that kids can understand and know that we're always there for them. I think there's such a tremendous lesson there that can be utilized in so many other different fashions to help build up our kids for sure. You talked about this earlier, your Everest, right? You talked about your son saying, "Hey, why are you doing Everest? That's the biggest mountain and you wanted to kind of show him what you could accomplish that if he encounters some type of Everest in his life that he could also go ahead and plow through that. What well, is, or what was your Everest? Because I think it's such an amazing mindset shift and it really is a mindset. You talked about that as well. What was your Everest and how have you used this as a tool to implement this upon your seven children so they understand, hey, mom did this and I know you can too.
0: So when it came to climb Everest, my biggest hesitation or hold back wasn't Everest. It was being away from my kids and that was keeping me from wanting to go climate. I'm like, I don't want to be gone for three weeks. I've never been gone for three weeks. I feel like I'm going to miss everything under the sun. Like, well, I have to leave them to go climate. So that is what it is. And my mom came out, we had a nanny, we had all this kind of stuff. So the kids were really supported at home and I was still worried about them. So I went to school and I talked to their teachers and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm going to be gone. I've never been gone like this. I have help, but it might just be off. So the kids might be off a little bit. Can you just give them a little more grace? And the school came back to me and they're like, Hey, would you be interested in doing a, what's your Everest campaign for the school? I'm like, sure. He goes, yeah, come in, teach them about goal setting. We'll fill the hallway with hikers and they'll have a flag. And on that flag, they'll write what their goal is. And Then in the front of the school, we did this huge Mount Everest and they had me as a little hiker and I had a tracking device on me. So then the school could move me up and down depending on where I was in the mountain. Nowadays you have wifi at base camp. So I could zoom into the classrooms and answer questions and talk to them while I was there. When I went to climb Everest, The whole school was with me. I was so grateful that I climbed it for not just me, but for all those kids to know like our Everest is something that we can get through and we can accomplish and big mountains like Everest take big teams Mm -hmm. and they were all part of my team to make it happen. And how lucky was I? And so I turned this thing that was limiting me and preventing me from like feeling fully engaged in that climb. And flipped it in a 180 and then made it like the best experience ever. So I think whatever our Everest is, it's our job to be creative and get curious into how to flip the script on that story and have it use us to empower us instead of limit us.
1: What great lessons and kudos to your kid's school district for being I know. that forward thinking to actually ask you, follow through and do it. Because yeah. as you're telling that story, I'm thinking, what would happen if I had gone to our local school district and asked them the same thing or spoke to the teacher? I would hope I'd get the same response. I think most listeners out there would think that they'd okay, we'll keep an eye on them, have a nice trip, and we'll see you in three weeks kind of thing.
0: Yeah. My community has been so supportive on this whole pursuit. Every time I've come back, I've been on the radio or in the newspaper and just, it's been a game changer and how it's happened. And it's really made me realize, and I write about it in the book, big mountains take big teams. So the bigger your goal, the bigger your pursuit, the bigger, whatever, the more people you need behind you to make it happen.
1: Yeah, you can't do it solo. That's for sure. And the other lesson I take away is it doesn't have to necessarily be go climbing Everest. There are parents every day that have to travel a lot for work and be away from their kids, right? And I think some of those lessons that you talked about and how you work through that with them to make sure you remain connected is excellent also because there are folks out there that don't have the luxury of not saying, no, I don't want to go on those two weeks of business travel. They have to do it. And Dads, moms, everyone gets a little bit of guilt over that. And I think that connection that you created was fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So listen, this is the Midland Money Mindset. We're all about joy on our show. And we ask each of our guests the same final question, which I'm going to ask you as well, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success?
0: So I woke up this morning and I made crepes with my daughters And we made them into shapes. They made them into ghosts because they're getting ready for Halloween. And it's just these little things. Like we could have made them into circles and just been done with it. But we took a few extra minutes and made them into shapes and decorated them with Nutella and strawberries to have their different eyes and things. And those little moments, you can find ways to make those fun. It spills into your whole day.
1: Sounds like a great way to start the day for sure. So Jen, I appreciate you joining us. We're going to have all of your information in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, learn about Breakproof the book or find the book, what's the easiest and best way for them to learn more and connect?
0: Yes, please. So jendrummond.com is my website. It has information on all my expeditions. There's a link to buy the book there. And then it has all my social media channels. So depending on your channel of choice, reach out, say hi, introduce yourself. I love connecting with people. So thank you for the opportunity.
1: Awesome. Jen, thank you so much for joining us, taking time out of your day to share your story with our listeners. I greatly appreciate it and enjoy the day. Thank you. You too. I want to thank Jen Drummond for being a guest on the Mintland Money Mindset. Jen created a successful business and was faced with a life-changing event that almost took her life. Her accident provided her with the clarity she needed to refocus and become clear on what she wanted. We all have the ability to choose how we live and commit to a life of vigor, enthusiasm, and full engagement in life. Jen has accomplished some great things and committed to helping others, too. What an inspiration. Jen Drummond and all that she is up to can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please Don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit Call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money.
0: The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.